Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host on this March 18th, 2017 edition. Joining me today are two special guests. I've got first Josh Torres. It's Morphin time. Yes, it is. And then we've also got Brian Vitale. Uh, I was going to follow up with something Power Rangers related, but then I couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> Some of the Dragon Zord. <laughs> <laughs> that's have you saber tooth tiger griffin thunderzord power it's 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 a weird <laughs> griffin, thing th- what griffin that's a no it's a weird way that's, i'm yeah, pretty like, sure the, the yellow ranger is saber tooth tiger griffin thunderzord power i don't know but i don't remember the griffin part i i, I believe you on that though because when they when it's, they shifted uh, over the saber tooth, i, I, I didn't i didn't know this until i started watching the marathon but uh-huh. in the second season in the second season the japanese show the sentai show that they borrow from changes zords but the American show doesn't change like costumes, so it's like a weird cross system. So they have like the original dinosaur costumes, but have different Zords that are like mythical creatures. Well, well to back up before we go forward, it's that just to let people know what's happening is that Twitch, um, as part of the upcoming Power Rangers movie, they announced at uh, what the, was March. it South by Southwest or something like that. They they announced that um, they would be running all 810 episodes of the Power Rangers series. Uh, on 831 their... thank you very much oh they but, said yeah. 810 they must have lied then uh, I, th- I think it's 831 they, they said on the twitter well matter. anyway over 800 episodes <laughs> let's just leave it there <laughs> uh they, they would be running that on the twitch presents channel so this is like a follow-up from um i'm tr- they did that um what's that what's that show about the painting i'm totally blanking here but um it seems like they're really trying Bob to Ross. do like huh i'm sorry yeah, Bob, Bob Ross? Ross, yes, um, and his uh, accidental Magical. trees. <laughs> so, yeah, in the it's, last it's week I've watched accident. more Power Rangers than I have as a kid. I watched for like a season past where I stopped watching as a kid, and I'm okay, <laughs> that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I watched a disgusting amount, like, especially on the day that we're, today as we're recording, like they started the In Space, Power Rangers In Space, and that's like one of my oh. favorite uh, generations of Power Rangers, so I was like, fuck. It is actually kind of holding up. <laughs> I really like it still. For me, it's like the parallel runs between this and Pokemon as a kid because, like, past the first movie, because I went to see Power Rangers the movie in the theaters. Same mm-hmm. with Pokemon the movie in theaters. After I saw that movie, uh, I kind of slowly stopped watching it. And so, yeah, a lot of this was new to me. But before then, oh, yeah, like a ton of nostalgia. And, like, they, like I remember large chunks of that uh, TV show. And, and and just all all the crazy things like they were trying out like you just also recognize how terrible the fashion was back then zach with his like different colored patched shirts that he wore <laughs> that was just incredibly awful and like you realize that high okay, school oh, students wearing overalls yeah I, I, I really i really like just like just seeing on it two decades later what the hell that looks like way back when oh absolutely and, and then you remember that oh these are these people are acting towards kids and so the acting itself isn't that great towards an adult like no. oh wow but you know context i i think the the best there's like one of the uh like very few times that i like actually watching it with twitch chat open and seeing yeah. like what the, what just just not even just like nationally but like internationally like what we as a whole collectively like think about power rangers like on a minute by minute, minute basis because i i was speaking with a friend and he had an acquaintance that was uh, lived in Poland, and apparently back at in his childhood, like it was actually big in Poland as well. It's like, wow, that's that's bizarre. But I that's heard really that, cool. yeah, and like in Canada too, it was pretty big as well. Crazy, it's, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, and and that's the kind of thing that I 
I really draw from. Like I, I, I but it does also show that, like you were talking about, like Brian was talking about the Sentai show that it's based off of. It's that there's times when the seamlessness completely breaks, and you realize oh, that, like, like there was one <laughs> GIF I posted on Twitter where like this uh, rock golem monster thing got hit with like this uh, electric bolt and it seems fairly like mid, mid, mid to late 90s like CG and then it cuts to a different shot of him on like a uh, like a hill or something like that and then <laughs> it's like back in the 80s something like that like a very like uh, washed out image of it blowing up in a weird way like that well, it, <laughs> completely broke the immersion to say the least it, it's funny it was also it really cool. it was really um, interesting to see like when they lost actors like halfway through the season yep. on yeah. like uh, no on a no kind of forewarning basis how they had to like do clever edits around it and it's not like smooth at all you can easily see where they cut corners or use doubles or crop together scenes that you're like man they, they had to put this on the air with that with like three of the actors missing and it's just yep. crazy the limitations they had to work around back of the head we didn't care because we were children we're like we don't fucking give a fuck we just lost here power rangers <laughs> i had a <laughs> I asked my friends, uh, it was like the second season of Power Rangers, and they finally got their Mystic Ninja form uniforms or whatever. I'm like, I asked them, like, why do they go through their ninja forms sometimes and then their regular Power Rangers and the others of, like, any just random encounter? And then apparently it's like when they actually called them over to the studio to do actual martial arts, like, uh, like uh, to record that's when they got into their uh, ninja uniforms. And then all the others, just Power Rangers, obviously stock footage on that. So it's just a weird, weird time. And then the season after that is when they finally, on the Power Rangers, you know, American side, decided to swap costumes so that they could use more Sentai footage because otherwise they were running out. It's good. It's real good. I love it so much. Uh, besides that, like, I've been also splitting my time with the uh, SNES Superstars Marathon that's been going on. People who don't know, that's uh, a speedrunning marathon that happens around this time of the year. Like, in a couple months, uh, the RPG Limit Break Marathon also goes. And I got a lot of fun out of that. This was last year back when I was unemployed for about six mm-hmm. months. And so, like, I needed something to fill my time so I wasn't so depressed. And so those two events really helped a lot. Because it's, 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 like, a fascinating thing where as opposed to, say, Awesome Games Done Quick or whatever, there's no break in between. And so there's always extra time for them to do extra stuff on their on their games that they're playing. And these are all kinds of SNES games uh, from, you know, domestic to imported games uh, or, you know, games only released in Japan, like Pure Pure Tetris and whatnot. Uh, But because they have so much time to work with, like this is the longest they think they've gone. I don't know if it's like seven or ten days that it means that they can run different categories of the same game. So I've seen so many different versions of uh, Donkey Kong Country 1 through 3 and Super <laughs> Mario World. Like, they're going from, like, for Donkey Kong, it's like, all right, do all the stages. All right, do the 100, 102% run. Okay. and uh, Or do glitches or any percent. And it's they also have, like, a bunch, uh, a bunch of the RPGs, of course, as well. Like, last night into this morning, they had Final Fantasy V and VI. Uh, they had Chrono Trigger as well last night. And then they're going to have. Um, I know last. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to remember what what the what else is coming up here. But for people who are interested, yeah, like on Sunday they've got what the Seven Saga. They've got um, let's see here. Luffy and the Fortress of Doom is on Monday, and Tales of Fantasia. Uh, that's any percent. And then the final thing they're going to do, which is around three o'clock 
Pacific time on Monday, Perexel, who I am a big fan of, he's doing a glitchless 100% run of Chrono Trigger, and that's going to go about six hours. So it's uh, <laughs> it's something fun to watch. You're talking about like it's a great way, um, Josh, like a multitask at work, watching that kind of stuff. Like this has been perfect for me because I can have like yeah. It's great because um, this is like the first time I've really interacted with the Twitch chat that much because uh-huh. usually it's kind of toxic. Um, right. People who know. Here, it's everyone is kind of in there, and it, we live in all this nostalgia. And it's despite the fact there's about two thousand people in there, it feels like there's about ten or twenty or something like that. They're not really a lot of them are just lurking, which I think is kind of perfect for that. that that's cool that like they're at a at a point that like their scale isn't like too too big, but at the same time it's uh, big enough so you feel like it's very involved. It's very it's very tight knitted. Yeah. Seems like it it uh, really uh, brings on a really positive community around it, and that's uh, that's awesome for them. Yeah, it's good it's stuff. What, it's what GDQ has been missing a lot of, and mm-hmm. it's still got you know the top runners like the world record holders for like Super Metroid and Mega Man and all these in Donkey Kong Country, like the actual like the top runners for each category in, in Metroid. So that's that's been great to see. But yeah, after this is over on Monday, I'm gonna probably go back to watching maybe more Power Rangers, because that thing's probably going to keep going for quite a while. It's yeah, until like the end of the month. I'm kind of hoping, I, I just wonder what they're going to do next for that series. I've heard people ask for, uh, like, now they got to do Twitch Presents uh, Pokemon, or Twitch yes. Presents all of, the, all of the DC animated series, going from had, like Batman to oh, Justice League, to Justice League Unlimited, I wanna see, or stuff like that. I, see I had a really, really fucked up uh, desire of, like, seeing, like, a ho- weird Hollywood reboot of, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so they have a reason to marathon all of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on that. <laughs> That wouldn't, that wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I would personally, I would, I would definitely love to see Pokemon just because I only, like, like I mentioned before, I only saw up to the first movie, so I, there's a big void there of the content. So I would love to be able to just sit there and watch. Yeah, I think I got shows. to the third region after Johto. Yeah. I think I started yeah. falling off. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think it was for me as well. It's, it's at least I wasn't watching every single episode as I did before. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, Pokemon would definitely be great, or you know, Simpsons. But well, about uh, about that. a year ago, where Ash was in the finals for whatever region. <sighs> yeah, like, he, fucked, he fucked up I, again. I, I watched I watched a few dubbed episodes or not dubbed subbed episodes, uh, like for the first time in years because of that like hype or whatever. And everyone was so yeah. upset after that episode. <laughs> like they're like, all right, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, that was. That was some dumb shit. Uh, it's like it's basically <laughs> they did once again what Nintendo or at least Pokemon has been doing for years now with their treatment of Ash. So, well, with that though, let's go ahead and head on into our podcast proper. And before we get into some of the bits of news here, we always like to talk about the games that we've been playing. So, Josh, uh, this is kind of a carryover from last week that you're continuing on with Star Ocean Anemnesis, I think it's uh, I think it was like maybe two podcasts ago. I said, oh, I'll yeah. give it a t- I'll, ch- I'll check it out. And then I got, you know, swamped with other games. Pokemon, you got Zelda. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so I, I've been, you know, constantly working on those. But I, I just decided to, you know, since I got this new phone, I, I couldn't run this on my old phone, on my old iPhone 5, I think. So I couldn't run it on that. So I... I dived into it. I was like, what the hell is this all about? So Star Ocean Anemonesis, I believe, is the proper way. Anemonate. Yeah, whatever. So (laughs) this is actually one of the most impressive looking mobile games that I've played. I've played a fair share. And like 
it seriously does look like Star Ocean Five assets, like straight up. Just that was it, their it actually, goal, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it runs at sixty frames per second. Like the only time it does slow down is like crazy, like when there's a lot of other effects on screen. But the way they translated over um, this, the, you know, that Star Ocean Three battle system uh, to uh, cell phones is actually quite not bad because you still have that open three D space and you uh, move around with the just like kind of like Battle Girls High School. Uh, where you yeah. just uh, go in a direction oh, and then you that direction. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, rem- I, th- I think that's how it works at, the- at that game. Um, and then you have these, you can just tap on enemies to, like do basic attacks, but the the real goal is you have these three skills on your characters, and then they, like in Star Ocean fashion, they have ranges to them, so you'll see like a little S or L by those skills, like, oh, you uh, do this when you're up close to them, or L is like you have to be far away from them to do it. And then whenever you uh, use them, you have an AP gauge, and they consume a, a certain amount of it. But you can cancel out of them into another skill, which uh, if you do that, not only do you get a, a damage boost to it, but it'll cancel the like that startup animation for it. So any like bigger like spells or skills that you have that like normally have longer startups, you just cancel into them. It'll automatically like you know go to that move immediately. Oh. So like so the big goal here is to maximize your uh, damage by you know uh, chaining skills together by uh, getting up that cancel damage bonus chain. How so, elaborate does the does the chains get? Because uh, obviously it's a mobile game, but does it look impressive in that phrase and, and with those things? It it does because when you when the skills like when you think about Star Ocean like skills and how like the, the visuals of them, it's it, sometimes it's hard for me to like tell of like where they actually skimped out because you can actually download. Like higher graphic options in the options menu for it, for like to for it to look even prettier. I didn't really do that, but like you have the option to do that, and I'm I'm not really that engaged enough with it to to say, hey, I want to go, like take like 400, 500 megabytes of space to make it look better in that respect. Uh, but it's a, it's a it's a weird thing because you know this is your obvious like gotcha uh, style. Uh, you roll for the characters, and it's funny that like all the two like three i don't know one to four star anything below five stars i actually do not recognize the character at all and it just kind of reminds <laughs> you that like star ocean the star ocean cast is not like their side characters are not memorable to me one bit like the only ones i could kind of remember are the the posse that nell from star ocean 3 hung out with like those two other female ninjas yeah i yeah i i don't remember their names i was like i i think she's part they're uh they're part of her group because they kind of dress like her and that's all i remember it's, it's a problem because there's been such a big gap between the star ocean games especially here in the west that it's kind of hard to like remember those characters uh that with a game that hinges so much on the nostalgia because clearly it benefits a lot of people in japan especially with them putting out the star ocean 2 we release on ps4 recently uh, that it's easier to remember well, those characters. Well, I only, I only played the original two games when they came out for PSP and only played through them once and just ran into... Because in those games, you have a choice of characters. I think up to three you do. So sometimes I'm like introduced, like, wait, this was a character in Star Ocean 2? I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't get that because I picked the male protagonist or I picked some... Like, I, like, I don't know what all the branch and character options are even, yeah. let alone side characters. Yeah, the- just, just it's it's kind of so I'm always trying to like roll for like a five star person because I actually know that person. It's actually fairly forgiving, well at least with my luck on it. I've had good luck on it so far. Like they 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 hand out like the the orbs or crystal currency things to to roll on that. They hand out fairly like deliberately. Like I was able to do like at least 
nine to ten uh, ten rolls on that thing without having to spend any money. I haven't spent any money on it. Uh, I don't plan to. It just it's kind of like it's one of those things that it's kind of a holdover, something for me to do on my phone when there's nothing to really do. And I kind of <laughs> wait. I, I'm like waiting for either the, the Bravely Default mobile game, see how that looks like. Yeah. Um, and cool. uh, and I think the one that I'm uh, secretly look secretly looking forward to is Sinnoh Alice, the Yokotaro one. Yeah. See what that looks like. That's gonna be a really weird thing. The art looks so, great in that game. So it does. It's it's really fantastic. And so I, I mean, I don't really care much about anything in this Star Ocean game except maybe its battle system because I, I did all the story stuff. It goes by super fast, but there's a stamina system, oh, and yeah. it, it's 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 actually fairly forgiving in the sense that the it's a three minute timer to regain one. So it's kind of I think Record Keeper has uh, a timer as low as that. I don't think anything else has anything lower than three minutes. Um, and it, I really don't care about the story at all. It focuses on like this uh, wacky, so funny, like android robot thing, mascot thing, and this other chick. That like they're just going out around excavating planets, and none of the story is really all that interesting. So I just kind of skip it. And uh, then, then I'm like at the part of the game where like it just becomes super grindy. Like if you want like your weapon, better weapons for your characters. Or um, making or rolling for more characters, getting them to like six stars and whatnot. I'm, I'm just like it's this kind of like wearing on me already. But I do oh. appreciate, I, I do appreciate that like they actually gave. Uh, they you can you can tell that like first and foremost they prioritize like the engine of this over anything else in the game because like the battle system and the way it works together is really really cool. And I've actually engaged with the multiplayer in this as well. Like I just oh, uh, went to. Really? Uh, because you can have a party of uh, up to three people on your own, but then you can have a rental character, so you can have a, a max of four, four characters uh, up on the battlefield just alone. But if you're grouping up with uh, three other people, that you can all have uh, your own character, your main character up up on there. So, and I, I'm, it's been a breeze for me because I rolled Maria from Star Ocean Three. She's apparently one of the most like like overpowered characters in that game, and it really shows. <laughs> nice because. Because uh, she has two skills. Uh, one is like a laser shot. The other is like a flurry of like laser shots. And you can just like kind of spam them from a distance, not really worrying about like incoming attacks. The only thing you have to be mindful of is like if there's range attacks coming to you, obviously just like move out of the way a little bit and then keep on fucking mounting an assault and whatnot. <laughs> That's pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm always afraid about the multiplayer because I always assume it's the versus kind. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't compete with these people that are playing this game like day in, day out. So... <laughs> No, I, I'm glad that like I haven't really been kicked out of too many rooms so far. They just say, I guess they just see my characters like, okay, you're fine, you're a five star. You can have her to level sixty. I guess you could stay, you know, kind of deal. Because like we're taking out like really hard things. I'm just like, kind of like, okay, make sure not to die. Kind of move over here a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see like the, I see my damage numbers compared to theirs. I'm like, dear, dear God, you can yeah. tell these people like I've really been at it for who knows how long. But <laughs> it, it, that, that has its own like just a good set of rewards because one that doesn't consume any stamina and two like i think every time you complete it uh you get like a certain amount of like crystals uh as a reward from completing it with them so there's actually like a good incentive to like do multiplayer in that game it's just i don't care enough about star ocean enough to really engage with this too much sure but it's a it's a neat little thing i enjoyed it has that been taking up most of your time then 
I mean, other other things like Super Robot Wars are still going. I think I'm almost near the end of that game. A little I, bit of I Zelda saw that Full Metal Panic <laughs> picture oh, you shared. They were trying to like revive the old wounds or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they, they they always like to re- remind you. It's like, hey, your your favorite character that uh, show they they didn't win. Remember? It's like, oh yeah, you're right. That. Thanks. Uh, that's like that's like all the shows that I'm a part of. I always like try to root for the the underdog, and that never works. Yeah, <laughs> never works. Not in, not in anime. All right. uh, but there's gonna be a new uh, anime adaptation of it coming this fall, yes. so I'm excited for that. Me too. Me too. I need that's, to rewatch it. Me too. That's that's like one of those shows that definitely deserve to have more content to it because you could really soak all that stuff in with besides the, the anime and then the manga as well. So that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. Well, so then moving on, Brian, I know you were playing some Tales of Berseria. I heard you were kind of struggling with the final dungeon in that game or the post-game dungeon or something like that. How's that been going? Well, I basically wrapped up the game. Um, and despite I never, despite never having a ton of fun with it, I always do like what they call the X dungeon or the, the post-game dungeon, yeah, which, is, which is usually like a big slog and not very fun and it's usually there's some element of randomness and it's very grindy i I have a question before you move on what i mean i can't remember off the top of my head but have there been like any like get like any immediate games that like pop into your head that have like examples of good post-game dungeons that aren't like soup that drag on forever any That's good? A good uh, well, I mean, if we're talking about like the good stuff, I mean, Lufia Two Ancient Cave it actually turns into a dungeon crawler. That's pretty awesome. So, but they felt like it did it drag on that. I don't remember. No, about it was Lufia awesome. Okay. It was great. Yeah. I loved it because like at the very end, you have to face like a giant slime and you have to deal enough damage in order to take it down. So all the way to that level, you're really focusing on you know your every single move that you make. Uh, plays an important role in every every level you might come across like a blue chest that has like some like the best armor uh, mm. or weapons in the game so it was pretty exciting stuff I don't know about the Tales series though I know with the Legendia like there was some post game content but like it didn't have any voice acting well Le- Legendia is weird because it's kind of like a weird like appendix slash epilogue but anyways yeah back mm. to Brazaria even though like the final bit of the game was a little bit of a downer backing up and looking at it on a whole uh kagari obviously reviewed it for our site but i don't think she's ever talked about it on the call podcast her Aaron. it's okay we don't have to call uh, her by our username <laughs> kagari oh. slash Aaron. yes well, yes uh <laughs> no one would know who and, kagari is <laughs> right well she she always uses her screen name in the chat so i, I guess i'm used to it That's all right. anyways uh I've and my brother Adam has been playing Zestiria recently, so I'm, I've been able. I've played that game, but it's been like a year and a half, so I'm able to compare them side by side. And it is kind of stark how much of an improvement Berseria is. Now, games in this series are not like well written; they're they're competently written sometimes. It's anime, and Berseria yeah. definitely is. But but Zestiria, when I was playing it, I remember thinking like this game is hard to follow, and like not because it's difficult or verbose or wrinkled and folded in weird ways. It's just loose and sloppy. Like motivations are hard to see. You don't understand why one scene leads to the next. You don't under like a character will get angry or or like have some sort of emotional you know moment, and you and I don't quite understand what's going on. Like it's just it's very loose and sloppy. And Berseria doesn't have that problem. The characters are a lot better. The writing makes a lot more sense. One scene leads into the next, and it flows a lot better. It's it's it was being able to see both games being played side by side. 
it is quite an improvement. And a lot of people have been saying it's it's the best Tales game since Vesperia or whatever right. on that front. And I do agree, I think. And one other thing that I think it improves on from Zestiria is that Zestiria has a lot of systems. And there, there's something to be said about having a, a number of systems to work with so you can you know manipulate the game to the way you want, whether it's with arts or skills or equipment or whatever. But Zestiria does it in a way where it's just so convoluted and it's not quite 100% clear what should be focused on, how you should progress your characters. It's got this weird like skill system connected to its equipment, which then has a proficiency based on how long you wear it, which then puts like marks in this table that you get bonuses for putting certain things in certain places. It's just too much. It does, it's sloppy. And then I think Berseria has something that's more like Final Fantasy IX style, where equipment will have a skill attached and if you equip it long enough you'll have you'll get the skill on your character for good and it, it, the systems just make a lot more sense it's a lot more tidy i understand why someone has something equipped or what they're like what my goal is for a character i have this person wearing this gear because i want them to have this ability or whatever whereas Asteria, i found myself just kind of like my eyes glazing over just like i'm not sure what's going on <laughs> yeah. for, for for both the for both the mechanics and the, the story itself so i had a lot of fun with it the, the Bizaria as a whole, um, it did kind of drag at the end, but I think that's kind of all Tales games. I feel like are end up being like ten hours too long, so that's not unexpected. But it did do that. But but yeah, I just finished it up this week, and I'm glad that I don't have to play another Tales game until the next one comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I need to go wrap that up as well. I I think I'm only like less than halfway through it. I just barely got Eleanor, so. Well, I don't think I even have Eleanor yet. Like, I'm almost there at getting her. <laughs> I have a long way to go at that game. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I still like it. I just, I just need to find time to play it. I, I but I, I'm running into this problem that I usually do with Tales games, where, like, if I hold it off for too long, I'll completely forget it. And there hasn't really been a Tales game since. Gee, I don't know. I, maybe Abyss, where like I was like actively. Uh, motivated to keep on going with it till the very end. Uh, on almost every Tales game, I usually have like these weird long breaks with them for one way, reason or another. Doesn't help that we've had a ton of games coming out around this time of the year, and so like you're yeah. you're already like you're. It's not so much that you know there were a lot of games around the time Berseria came out. It's that you were already kind of focused on the next thing, so like you weren't wanting to get too involved on yeah. that game. But. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see where where else it goes, and I'm very interested to see like if they try to break the mold of Tales with their next installment. I, I kind of hope they don't do the safe no. and secure route. I on the other, I mean that's I would I would assume that they, yeah, they might go further, I but they, I don't know if I want them to really change it like Final Fantasy does or something like that. That would alienate a lot of people, I believe. Yeah, I think they they stuck to their formula. It's very much a Tales game. They made a quality game, not superb, but good. So it would be interesting to see with the next one that they take a bigger risk because they they were able to do what we know they can do and they did it pretty well so let's see something different next time they, they, they took a risk with a narrative of this one and that, that's very commendable it needs a new engine basically is probably what the more <laughs> overwhelming thing is needed so i'm, I'm, I'm yeah excited. we need to, we need to see our first ps4 based sales game and then we'll see the the npc and enemy models that we'll use for the next five games it'll, it'll be it'll be all entirely in vr it's first person now 
there you go. I'm so excited for that. Tales of VR. We'll have to talk about more about. Uh, I mean, pretty soon Bandai won't have any choice when it comes to the PS3, but we'll talk about that later. But Brian, you've also been playing more Torment: Tides of Numenera, so you're not quite done with that game, it seems. Well, I I finished Torment, but yeah. I just haven't talked on. I last time I was on the podcast was like the week before. Oh, release. that's right, you weren't so, here for that. Yeah, so. Yeah, so it released, and my general take is that it kind of released to like a lukewarm reception. And I, I'm reading message boards and some chats, talking to people, I understand why. Um, I wasn't following the game when it was on Kickstarter, nor have I played Planescape Torment, so I'm missing like some of the context, both with the Kickstarter campaign as well as you know the spiritual predecessor. So I didn't have that context, but I see people who have that context are trying to see like they have to put it on a box and compare it next to Planescape and they see how it fails to stack up or whatever. And then they look at the Kickstarter things and they say, well, these were promised and weren't brought and I didn't have that context. So I I wasn't missing those things. Uh, I I forget exactly what some of the details were, but um, in exile, the the developers have talked about some post game support, uh, adding a companion, um, adding back in some of the Kickstarter uh, pledges. I think like one of them is, something to do with like not player housing, but some sort of like player like base sort of thing, like in pillars, uh, things like that. And then I saw some people who thought in my review, I talked about how the, the combat gameplay was pretty lacking. I thought that the rest of the game kind of carried it and made it. So that wasn't a big deal. Sure. But obviously I've seen some people who went like, Oh my God, my eyes are glazing over at all this dialogue and I'm not interested in the characters. And then on top of that, the battle stink so they have like no fun at all so i guess how far that game takes you it depends on how how well you take to the storytelling and the writing style if you don't take to it very well then you're not going to have a good time so makes some sense it seems like and and it seems like the the crisis situation that they talked about the the crises are what they call the battles um it sounds like they are gonna give that a pass over mechanically it seems like the biggest problem with the crises is is that uh they're turn-based but the, you're you are almost always far outnumbered, oh, and what that's that means weird. is that, you, which is which is I guess okay for like having a difficult situation. But how it works is that all four of your characters will do their action, and then you'll have to wait through sixteen turns of the enemies moving and kind of. Be, and sometimes when they move, they won't path quite correctly, and oh, so it's they, like oh, your, it, it's, it drags yeah. and that. It just it just drags and you're like, come on, I want to, and you might say like, well, don't all turn-based gameplay have that sort of problem? I th- maybe you could argue that, but I think they could, if they had a, a had the crises reworked so that there were a fewer number of enemies that were less like mooks and more difficult to take down, so that you were trading blows rather than mopping up something that greatly outnumbers you in a system that just carries out itself really slowly. I think it could. I think it could be polished, and it sounds like they are working on that. But they don't. It's kind of vague. Like we don't exactly know when it's going to come out, what changes they're going to make. But basically, they've they've uh, heard the they've heard the criticisms, and it sounds like they're planning on addressing it as well as bringing back some of the content that they had to cut from the Kickstarter um, stretch goals. Yeah, maybe not so much vague for them. It's more that they just don't know either, probably about how they're going to fix it up and need some time to do it. So. And then the last thing is that apparently on consoles, 
the console decision was made late in development. Oh, the other problem. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the details, but it sounds like it was something that was kind of decided by the publisher Techland, and wasn't initially in the scope by Inexile. I don't exactly know how much collaboration they had on the decision to bring it to consoles, but when I played it on PC, it's not a very demanding game, it, so I didn't really have any problems. But apparently on PS4, it has a lot of weird hitches with the dialogue system and stuttering and performance. So That's it's, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's obviously it's an isometric, not graphically, you know, demanding title. So it sounds like it's a, something with the port that could be fixed. So yeah, a lot of people have been waiting for some sort of patch just for performance for that front. And uh, this it's something, uh... yeah, it was something I didn't even consider because, you know, it, I wasn't expecting it to be a highly demanding. And then I got, I played it on PC, but then it seems like universally everyone who plays it on PS4 is like, why am I not running this very well? And Yikes. Sounds like sounds like something that they have to really address with some of their post-launch support. Have they patched it up at all yet, or just it's in the uh, works? No, nothing yet. Mm, okay. I think it's weird, like, uh, just, you know, uh, with games being on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and whatnot, and how you evaluating it based on it either having the knowledge of, like, there was something else that was supposed to be in this game versus, like, you came into it fresh and new and, like, you just had, you had no context with this game going into it. Like, it, it's obviously going to be very, very stark uh, perspectives on it because you were, you did, you had no idea what was supposed to be promised for this game. You just reviewed, like, you know, what was supposed to be in this game versus, like, you know, uh, people who, like, uh, backed it with their own money. So, obviously, they have every right to, you know, be, you know, kind of be pissed about well, what they were promised and not exactly being delivered to as well. Well, I remember when I first beat the game, I started looking at the trophies and achievements. Um, I usually don't do that for most games, but I was interested in like just seeing because you get achievements for for completing quests in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting when I saw an achievement for like make this character do this thing. I'm like, whoa, you can do that. Like it's it's a shorter game. It took about 25 hours to complete. Um, well, shorter for a game of that type. Uh, I think Pillars of Eternity is something like 40 hours, to put it in perspective. Um, Divinity Original Sin is also like 40, 50 hours. So it's a shorter game for an isometric computer-style RPG. But it sounds like it is kind of highly replayable on the front that um, a lot of the quests have multiple routes you can take. And it's it's not just like choosing from a list. Like, uh, for instance... This is a side quest, so it's not really a spoiler. You 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 rescue a slave, and then you can kind of set out what he's going to do. Like you can either keep him in your company, you can um, do what I did, which is I I kind of made him an apprentice to a to a nearby merchant, and then in the post game it said like he became like you know known for his high craftsmanship or whatever. And then I was reading an achievement and it said like have this character, this slave character, like initiate a rebellion. For, like, like if you were, if you like make give him a, a a job as a guard for one of the like faction leaders and like i didn't even think of doing that like you could huh. use him to m- push part of the story forward by uh using the fact that you rescued him putting him into a certain position that's beneficial to you in this case as a guard for a place you're trying to infiltrate and then he starts a riot or a, that's pretty neat a coup or whatever but the only problem is is that i think the game is so tilted and that it relies on its writing to carry it that I don't really I don't really have much of a desire to play it again because I've seen the main quest. I've seen all the characters. So, yeah, some of them, some of the outcomes might be different. But because the, the actual gameplay is so kind of dull, 
it's just not a, it's 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 a short game that's designed to be replayable but i just don't have any desire to replay it because mm-hmm. of the limitations sure. and yeah i mean yeah, it's like it's like me with uh zero escape like with the upcoming like re-release it's like I, I really like the zero escape series but since i already know what's gonna happen like i just have really little desire to like revisit because i already know the, the story elements the plot elements the, the meat of that game why you even go into it in the first place so yeah, I think it's a to, to put a button on this. I think it's a quality game. I think if you've liked Tyranny or Pillars of Eternity, you should check it out. Uh, but it, I wouldn't say its quality is as high as those in retrospect. Cool. That seems nice. to be kind of the general consensus about that game. So still, it's great to see more of those types of games, and it feels like the next big one might be you know Divinity Two, Divinity Original Sin Two. So. Hopefully yeah, Divinity be- Original Sin 2 is sometime this year for release, and then Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire sometime next year. That's to right. Next I totally forgot about that. Did you play the original Divinity Original Sin? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Actually, we talked about it, and I think you mentioned that you know you could have had maybe a better experience with co-op if you had that option. But oh well. Great. Uh, so with that, for me... It's been mostly just, um, I mean, after I posted my review of Atelier Ferris, I moved on and kind of took a little bit of a break before I was going to get a code for uh, Tokiden 2 that I was promised. And I did get it uh, late last week, just actually a couple days ago. And so I've been playing mostly that. I can't really share my impressions about it, but this is an open world game. And so uh, the whole idea is that uh, there's still a hub town that you start off in pretty much and then at any point uh, as opposed to the first game you can straight up just run outside the front uh the the doors of the village and you know go out into the world and just explore as much as you want um i haven't really been able to tell right off the bat if that is full-on exploration you know like you can literally go anywhere you want to without having to be you know barricaded off by some sort of yeah i was, I was gonna ask that there are, like any like weird like restrictions on where you can go at first I don't think so. I mean, there's clearly like areas that you can't access because it's related to a story scene. But I was able to. What, one of the first things I did, and I played pretty far into that game. Um, I'm about mm-hmm. like you know 20 hours into it or something. Oh, okay. Um, that I didn't really uh, uh, encounter any problems with that because like at certain points, like you have to go across one area and then run all the way back. It does have fast travel, by the way. I was just limited by the. How do you points. how do you unlock fast travel points? It's right off. It's pretty easily. Uh, there are outposts scattered around um, and yeah. other things. Actually, there's like that and these things called. Um, okay, they're these stones. I'm, I'm. I don't want. The, I don't know what they were also called, but they're like these stones that uh, protect you from the miasma that the oni in the game uh, create. And so by um, unlocking those, you're able to fast travel back to home. Now you can't fast travel back to those stones, but you know they're great to just if you need to quickly get back to town. But there are all these. Uh, there are also portal stones that are uh, located typically in the outposts that are around the map that allow you to travel f- uh, from point to point. And so you can totally do that if you like to. Uh, and there's different ways to you know travel around quicker. Uh, and, and to make navigation a little bit easier and that's uh just to think about some other things here it's that um a lot of it is is pretty much identical to the first game in terms of the combat and many of the systems like the matama uh that's definitely here there's definitely more you can do with them uh like they actually come with their own boosts 
or sort of inherent traits that you can unlock by using the ritual purification, which is that thing where, you know, whenever you lop off an enemy's limb or an enemy dies and you want to, you know, suck it up and take all of its uh, weapons, uh, excuse me, its parts to for ingredients and whatnot, um, that ritual uh, is sort of like also a bar that starts to fill for experience. And so by filling that up, you can unlock future... Um, boosts or buffs for your for your character and then they each go into like separate slots uh and that way you can do things such as you know like the cooldown meter for a certain skills is a lot quicker um also you like you're more effective when you have full health that kind of thing um but other than that you know anyone who played the first game will find feel themselves like kind of right at home with this one uh like i said a lot of some of the mechanics are the same the story setup is um, different from the first game. It's not, uh, quote-unquote, a direct sequel. I mean, there are characters that certainly appear, but uh, some others don't show up in this game. So it, it can totally be played on its own. You don't need to have played the first game, although I still would recommend playing Kwame sometime uh, just to get a feel for how this game will be. But because of the open-world mechanics, it uh, should be a bit more accessible in a way. Uh, and that's kind of what the... Tokyden series has really been that and like God Eater. It's a far more approachable game, in my opinion, uh, approachable series, I mean, uh, than Monster Hunter is because um, it's got things such as Lock On, <laughs> which is a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. It plays a lot more with the story itself, so that makes it a lot more. It can be make it make it a lot more interesting for players who don't want to feel like you know it's all about the grind and the repetition and not enough about the story. So. Do they do a good job tutorializing you into like just general flow, or do you th- do you feel that uh, it's better to start with the first game and like trying to get out like grasp with the mechanics? I think it does. I mean, I I can't provide a direct opinion, but I can at least say that um, the onboarding experience is a lot smoother because right off the bat you're kind of thrown into combat, so you don't have to waste your time sitting around waiting for the story to develop before you can actually head outside. It's like you're immediately there. So, okay. uh, and it does introduce the the systems and there's always, you know, an encyclopedia that you can reference, but a lot of the things that have been, uh, polished such as ordering, uh, um, uh, ordering your party members around in, in combat before it was like, you have to do like a combination of buttons or something like that. And this, you just hit a button, press up, down, left, right. And that sends them off to do whatever. I think that might've actually, now that I think about it, I think that was similar to before, but it's presented a lot better than it used to be. And that's kind of what all this is. It just felt, feels more well presented and the tutorializing experience from, from what I uh, have seen is, is not so bad. And because you're able to run outside whenever you want, you can straight up just, you know, like I need some time to work on this and you just can do that. And also because it's open world, there are tons of side quests to do. Uh, there are these things called join operations, which just means that when you're running around outside, you might come across a slayer or one of the soldiers that are part of your crew uh, fighting an enemy monster, an oni, whatever size. And by helping them defeat it, they all join your squad for a short period of time. And they're like a, a guest party member, so they don't take up one of your slots or whatever. Hmm, okay. Well, interested to uh, like uh, hearing uh, your thoughts on that uh, next podcast because there's a there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, things that like when I see it, it's like, oh, I wonder if they're really gonna pull this off as the open world, like a, like a true open world like monster hunting style video game. Yeah, it's something that clearly Monster Hunter hasn't attempted outside of their Frontier game, but even Frontier is not quite 
Yeah, I think it's still segmented into zones. Yeah, exactly. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that there's more people playing it, or like the mm-hmm. this uh, heavier emphasis on the online aspects, not so much. But yeah, it's still yeah zone. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the PC port for that uh, turns out too, because I, I remember mm-hmm. the Koami being rough in, in uh, weird ways. Oh, uh, are you saying Koei Tecmo who isn't good PC? on their PC port? Oh. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, I mean, they're. I want to say they're getting better, but it seems to be always a 50-50 case. Yeah, like, that's that's for sure. I, 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 that. It would really, really be cool if this is like one of the more like really good ones, though, because there's one of those games that like, I'm really interested in trying sometime, especially the open-world uh, approach to it. Well, my review is over 2,000 words already, so you'll have to read quite a bit if you want to get into <laughs> yeah. it. But it's, uh, it it's, Are you sure you're not writing a manual? I'm, I'm about there. Uh, but it's, no, it's you know I think that the there's going to be some interesting things that people approach this uh, approach this game for, and you know I I, I really 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 liked Tokiden Kiwami excuse me, um, because of its heavy emphasis on the story aspects and the characters and all the equipment and stuff like that, and this game is trying to capitalize on a lot of that. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce it? Tokiden, yes. In- how do you pronounce it? Can you, say it? can you say it one more time? Tokiden. I think I did Kaiden. Tokaiden? No. There's no A there. Oh. Uh, but which, uh, what weapon set are you rocking? Oh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a, it's some pretty heavy equipment. <laughs> like, the designs of this game, uh, they go there. It's a lot of... But, but like, what weapon top. category do you have, like, on you? Or you're just, like, cycling through them? Are you talking about the weapon types? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there are, just to briefly mention before I say, I mean, I'm, I, I'm rocking the sword because mm-hmm. um, from my research uh, of the game when it was released in Japan, that was the way to get some of the best equipment in the game, period, as according to its stats. Um, so to be clear, this is like Monster Hunter, there's no levels in this game. It's all about the equipment that you rock. And so that's that's what's happening here. So there's also a couple new weapon types. Um, all the most of it is the same, but the two new weapon types are the chain whip, which is kind of like Ivy's weapon from Soul Calibur. You know, with the it can turn oh, okay. from like a little nice. sword to a whip. Um, that's mostly just for sort of attacking enemies from afar, kind of like a spear would be. Um, and the sword and shield, which takes some getting used to. <laughs> it sounds easier than it is. So hmm. okay, but yeah, I'm, I'm using the swords. The swords are pretty crazy. Like. Pfft, 20 minutes in the game, I was able to craft a Masamune, so, like, it was a, well, and they're, like, huge swords, you know. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember trying, trying out the I was like, man, these did, like, are there large swords, too, like, are, like, great swords as well? Uh, they, the, the scale of the, of the swords themselves, there's no, like, actual separate category for the swords. It's sword, dual swords, oh, okay, uh, and, and Naginata, and all this stuff, so it's, it's, um... So all the, all the swords are just, like, uh, big as hell yeah big as hell like sephiroth style kind of it's just like <laughs> it's like the ones that are like taking up big parts of your back so like it goes from like your head to your 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 heels it's it's it, it can get pretty out over there and like i said like the, that was the great thing about tokiden kwami is that um it added so many more weapon sets and armor sets to that game that uh it was just fun being able to craft all this equipment um without really you know putting too much effort into collecting the parts until you got to sort of the higher level stuff that you wanted because otherwise you would still be able to craft some pretty cool looking armor and like getting full sets of stuff was always a a treat so that's kind of what i'm approaching this game as um uh and 
you know, once again, you don't need to have played the first game to enjoy this one. So feel free to jump right into this and still have a uh, and and still be able to uh, be on top of what's happening because it's a very um, uh, it's a story that it's very uh, <laughs> I'm missing the word here. It's it's um, uh, it's secluded Oops. from the rest of what's going okay. on here. So yeah, but that's pretty much it. What uh, if we've played the first game and wish we didn't? Well, I'm not going to talk to you about that. I mean, it's honestly, I <laughs> can't, kidding, I can't tell you, I can't kidding. tell you what's going to, uh, no, no, it's, it's a very, I mean, it's, it, that's a very important question to ask if, if Tokyo did one is something that you didn't enjoy. Honestly, I would say that, and I think we clearly talked about this before on our discord, but, uh, it's, it's something that it, it probably makes you realize that the monster hunter genre isn't really for you because it's a game. It's a, it's a genre really now, uh, because there's been so many variations on it that relies so heavily on repetition and grinding and things like that so if you don't find a lot of appeal in uh the idea of running out and and really working hard because you can't wait to have that new armor set or weapon set uh to make your character look as badass as possible if you don't have a lot of appeal for that and would just rather you know just stick on one path and go forward to be fair, Tokiden still does a good job at that because with its story, as opposed to Monster Hunter, which has very little story, it has some but not much, uh, Tokiden, you were still able to kind of just focus on the main sets that you would wanted without too much effort and still have a good time, in my opinion. Uh, but if you don't like the idea of facing the same types of monsters over and over again, um, that would be a problem. Although Kwame did add some more uh, types of Oni that you could face, uh, it still did rely a lot on the whole, like, okay, here's one, and here's another one, and here's two of them at the same time. So that's that's kind of how it is. But I think with the open world, that might be something that'll interest people. But I would say, you know, maybe wait for my review or anyone else's review. It doesn't have to be mine. And, and find out what's going to uh, – if that's something that would uh, appeal to you. But if, if one didn't like it, it you also, didn't like one, you might want to wait for it's on sale. Multiple. Sorry? Right. I also think that playing some multiplayer would also alleviate some of the tedium, I think. Yeah. It always does. It really so. is. I think that there's some, uh, like, that was something I enjoyed from the first game as well. It was playing a lot of the multiplayer, and that that was an interesting way to uh, to really enjoy that. If you're not playing with friends, then you have to kind of deal with the uh, the story characters. And, you know, I, I didn't play too much of Kiwami after I beat the main story. Uh, but I will mention, by the way, it's that if you did beat uh, Kiwami or maybe even one this data does carry over to token in two uh so you can unlock uh, a very strong web uh, armor set early in the game like uh, sorry right at the start of the game and that'll carry you for a while so it's a pretty yeah. nice gift for for fans mm-hmm. of that so that token in two will be out this tuesday uh in america I'm pretty sure it's on Friday in, in Europe, but you know it's also on Steam on Tuesday as well. We'll have a review up uh, as soon as that happens. But let's go ahead and get into news. So this is kind of oh, actually before we get into this first piece of news, I did want to kind of follow up on my comment about the Tales of Berseria, the PS3 thing. So PlayStation 3 production uh, will be ending soon in Japan. Uh, Sony Japan updated the website of the description of the 500 gigabyte model, which is the only model that's still being produced in Japan currently, and it stated that it'll be ending soon. And according to um, some data, that will probably be the end of this month even. And so um, that'll been be a long time it, coming. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over mm-hmm. a decade, you know, and they kept good on their ten. Did it promise. the ten year plan? <laughs> and there's still games. Coming I don't know. Out. Like you how got many? Me- how many E3s in a row did we hear PS3 is just now hitting its stride? 
So that's that's what they yeah, always say. <laughs> that's uh, but you know the fact that we still got like you know Yakuza Five and we still got Persona Five coming out soon. It's it really goes to show how strong it was. But like we were talking about, it really makes me hope that that means you know Japanese publishing developers now that they can't guarantee everyone's going to have a PS3 or at least. You know, people will move on to just have PlayStation Four and Vita, and eventually just PlayStation Four. Because I mean, we we, we hear, we hear, you know, just the 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 PS3 phase is is really starting to get phased out in Japan. Yeah, like you hear, you hear more PS4 and Vita these days over PS4, PS3, and Vita. So I'm 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 pretty hopeful that you know, this is the only thing left. Is just well, I think Vita is always going to be a crucial part of that Sony uh, thing in Japan, just due to their culture. And uh, always commuting and whatnot. So I I still want get more games to be PS4 exclusive, but I understand that you know Vita is still a very healthy thing in Japan. Oh no, I freaking love my Vita. I just mean that because they're running to the lim- the memory limitations with that system that you're not going to be able to get as impressive games. I, like yeah, what I hope is a PS4 I- and Vita sequel. That's what I really want. <laughs> that would be great. a Vita sequel. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like if they're in this like day and time of a Vita sequel would be viable for them. Like, what does that even look like? I mean, to be fair, like if, if Nintendo might leave that space, it does give Sony an opportunity to still do that because if they can uh, release a, a console that has like, say a 10 hour battery life or something more impressive than that, because there are, there is new technology coming out. That's even far more, uh, uh, capable than lithium-ion batteries even are. Like, the guy who created the battery, I think, the lithium-ion battery, uh, introduced a new one that's, like, several times better than the lithium-ion. And already that was a pretty impressive technology. So uh, I think that there's definitely an opportunity there. They did release, like, a patent, but I believe it was, like, this attachment to a device that they showed with, like, buttons, but people were kind of thinking that that's, like, a, a attachment to a phone. Um, but... I, I still think they can do that, and you know, the Vita is still, like, like you just said, it's it's pretty popular in Japan, and there's still areas for them to you know really deal with sort of uh, their mobile games and in the handheld experiences and things like that. Because sure, they're releasing some games on uh, phones, but uh, those types of experiences uh, they could still create. Uh, it just really depends upon Sony's effort in that area. And we know all too well how they've been treating the PSP and the Vita. So it's kind of hard to say yeah. what will happen. But they don't have a, a Nintendo Switch equivalent right now. So, you know, they can still do it. It's just kind of... I, I like... Obviously, I'm not in marketing, or nor do I have experience launching a console. But I wonder if they would have to do something where in the next generation or whatever, let's, let's just call it PS5... Um, that whatever the handheld like constituent is would have to be more tethered to the console experience, whether it's like a some sort of a companion device. Does that make sense? Or like right now, the Vita and the PS4 are well, you talking two, about like more... two, two separate entities. Like the PS4 and the Vita are two separate entities that sometimes or often have crossplay. I wonder if they need to tether the neck if if they're going to follow up on a portable. Um, some sort of offering if they would need to tether it more strongly to a PS5 somehow. I'm not exactly sure what that would take, but I mean, you're, I don't you're... know. I don't know if retailers are going to like having a a PlayStation Vita 2 or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you're basically uh, describing remote play uh, in, in a sense that that's that's the big key right there. Is like I used remote play and I still do quite a bit 
when I just kind of want to multitask, like lay back on a couch and just play on my PS4 without with something else going on my TV. So um, I would say, you know, they could totally, you know, it's not it wouldn't be the first time they could totally steal from Nintendo and create a device that uh, you can hook up to your PS5 and play your games on there or vice versa and have the games be cross compatible. Uh, in some sense, yeah, uh, yeah like lesser... I'm sure. I'm sure they're doing their research on what the worldwide market will allow, whether they should or shouldn't release some sort of successor to the Vita. But I'm just guessing that it's going to take some form closer to that rather than being a dedicated portable console. I, I think I would love to see that if it was just the same games, but a different, uh, a slightly downwards experience. Because, you know, if anything, Sony is very um, strong on hardware, and so they could totally create something that's like far more capable than the switch is because as great as the switch uh, already appears to be it is limited uh by its power and the fact that it can only do up to 1080p and then down to nine or 900 in some cases and then down to 720p which is the the screen itself and so if sony can introduce a new system that's like up to 4k because you know there's already phones out there that can do um if not 4k it's 2k or whatever but um there's definitely more capable devices out there sure it'll probably be expensive as hell but you know that's kind of up to them to to figure that out and they of course got their supply chains to be able to you know manage something like that well also i think that whatever their solution is would probably still have two different price points for the console and then whatever their portable offering is should they have one where, where, where the switch is, where the switch is one price point which limits them like if the ps5 is i'm completely hypothetical here four hundred dollars and then they have some sort of portable that's two hundred dollars 250 that's some sort of companion then obviously they've got the margin to put you know more newer tech in it rather than selling the whole thing as at one price point yeah how about just make the just make the vita pro boom I was just thinking of like the second Nomad because <laughs> like that device, uh, sure, you had to put in like, you know, a bunch of batteries into it, but you can actually take your Genesis games and pop it into the top of the Nomad and play your games that way. Yeah, I used to own one of those. And yeah, oh, that yeah. battery went dead in about two, two to three hours and the screen was pretty bad. It couldn't play that in the sunlight, in the direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still a, a cool thing to, to have around. Um, and you know, you could also plug that thing into the wall. So it wasn't that big a deal if you were still hanging out at home, but you know, it's just that, you know, there's areas that Sony themselves can improve on. Uh, Clearly Microsoft isn't going to compete with them with the, with the handheld sector. And they kind of showed that there's still a possibility there. They just need to, uh, need to really work on their software end of things. Um, especially from, from their first and second parties, because, as it stands, that's what really made Nintendo really defeat Sony uh, every single time, really, uh, with their handheld. So I guess we'll have to see. It is a li- it is a little bit of a tangent, but speaking of Microsoft portable hardware, I am curious to see what the rumored rumored like Surface phone line is going to be because obviously Zoom all too. their all all of their like Nokia Windows phones things kind of fizzled out. They some, do some own, good yeah, ideas. They do own uh, Nokia. I forgot but, about that. You're right. But but so but their surface their surface book line and their most recent surface tablet lines have been, to my knowledge, successful. And then they, they released that all in one surface computer, which I don't I have never experienced it, but it was I don't know. I feel like their hardware team is making the right steps. So I feel like a a surface phone 
it would be interesting to see like what a flagship Surface phone looks like and what it's capable of. I mean, especially, especially, especially if they ditch the like a Windows Phone operating system. They, they were just going to ditch like... that, but it's clear that they're probably going to just have like a full version of Windows 10 running off that thing. So, I mean, it would be cool to be able to take your productivity with you wherever you go. Uh, I mean, clearly that doesn't really mean too much from a. Uh, a gaming standpoint, I guess it really depends right. on the capability. I said it was. Hardware, I said it was but, a bit. Of, I said it was a bit of a tangent. But. I know. But I'm just saying from from my point of view, like it's not like Steam is going to put out their own handheld. As interesting as that sounds, coming out of my mouth right now. But uh, well, that, yeah, think, they tr- they tried their Steam machines, and those kind of fizzled out because Steam links are awesome. Did. Steam machines are pretty bad. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Funny. Yeah. I have a Steam link, and it's it's. It's obviously if you if you understand what you're compromising in terms of it requires it requires a good home network, you know, and you have some latency, whatever. It is a, it is a nice option to have, and I do love my Steam Link. But yeah, Steam machines I think just didn't have an audience between consoles and computers. Yeah, well, speaking of Steam Link, um, they also Sony is working on their version, which is the the PlayStation Now service to be able to stream games to different devices not too long ago they announced that they were ending service for that platform on uh vita and ps3 and of course tvs as well but that's 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 the big ones there and so now that they are focusing only on pc and ps4 now they have announced that you can also stream playstation 4 games through playstation now which means yeah you can play ps4 they didn't like really specify exactly which games will be coming to this service, but the idea of being able to play those PS4 games on your PC or PS4, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, sure, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense on your PS4, uh, but, you know, people who want to save some money and, you know, can't really rent those games, they can just stream them instead, still get that experience if all they can do is afford uh, an internet service, especially if it means coming to the PC. So being able to play, like, Horizon or Resident Evil, uh, no, sorry, Resident Evil is coming to PC anyway. But Horizon or Bloodborne. Uncharted or Bloodborne, yeah, uh, to PC. I think that would be able to. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. And yeah, it would also kind of settle some of the uh, frustrations people have about exclusivity. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and Neo. Know. So there's just, always good, good games. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have like a, a really high opinion of uh, PlayStation now. I think there's just there's just enough input lag and like artifacts on the visuals that like it. It it's kind of not unplayable for me, but it's enough to really kind of just turn me away from it. Like I tried the the trial for it, and you know it, it's good for some genres like turn based RPGs, yeah, or just like you know just basic things. But like yeah, like Twitch reactive games like like Bloodborne, Neo, that type of stuff. It I'm I'm sure it's gonna be like connect, all gonna be connection based and like if people can deal with the input lag and whatnot. But I I don't think PlayStation now is all, all that great of a service. It makes me think that, I mean, obviously ending P- Vita and PS3 service it maybe means that with the money that they're going to save from not having to focus their resources there, they can do it instead on improving their network infrastructure. Because, Hopefully, but, uh, I mean, we, there's already like problems, big problems with PlayStation I and mean, with PSN and the internet speed. It's been there. a problem for many, many years. Yeah. And that, like they haven't really made any great advancements in that. So well, now that we're paying 60 bucks with PlayStation Plus and we're and we, 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 yeah, yeah, we still haven't seen any improvements or no, they haven't announced anything. No. It's kind of like, I'm just saying man. like that maybe with the, with their focus on this type of service, it just means that now they're having to really focus on being able to create a um, 
a one-to-one experience, if you will, uh, for PlayStation 4 games that, that are far more demanding than a Vita or a PS3 game uh, to be able to run on that device because... Um, I'd hope so. It's it's The thing I will say, though, in, in PlayStation Now's favor is that uh, I was really happy to see like all these different games that were stuck on a certain platform or those uh, older platforms, such as, you know, Legend of Heroes, uh, Chosen Cold Steel, and... Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of blanking here, but there's these other games that they announced like a bunch of RPGs that you can now play on the PC. I think was Nino Kuni also part of it. I think I think, I think Nino Kuni was part of it. Yeah, but it, it's it's still like just the 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 rate at which they actually like add meaningful games to that is still very very slow. Like but especially with PlayStation Three production now ending, there's still a ton of games like that have they still have no great solution because backwards backwards compatible isn't a thing anymore. And they still have like a lot of these old PlayStation 3 games that, you know, I'm, should be somehow still experienced without getting a PlayStation 3. I mean, yeah, and, it, and, it makes a lot of sense. But I, I would say that, you know, all this, all the major, if not all, the Sony first-party games are on, on the system except for maybe like Ape Escape or something like that. Uh, but, you know, even Microsoft is running into some really uh, severe issues with their own backwards compatibility uh, service that they have and mostly that is just you know people signing off it's not like you know Sony's other services where it's like you have to add trophies or you have to like uh, figure out a way to improve this and pull back the code it's it's it sounds like it's it's just as complicated there so it's kind of hard to I mean, see. yeah it's, it's it's very tough but at the same time it's just yeah. it, it's growing pains yeah and they really need to improve that with Microsoft being able to improve their Xbox Live service like this past fall. So I guess we'll have to see. Well, what was it about... Uh, you guys talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Their, their Netflix-type service? Yeah. It's when is ten- that rolling out? Uh, it's already out for alpha users, I believe. Or, I'm sorry, like the, or I forget what they call them, but the... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the Microsoft Access, Early Access thing. Yeah, um, their service for, that for, they have for people that are part of their it's it's a it's, an it's like the vip program. program yeah that you had to sign up for but yeah that's already available for them and so they're going to be testing that service before they of course roll out to a wider uh, to the rest of the world so don't know anything about that though i haven't been reading any impressions because they're under nda and they're not supposed to talk about it so i guess we'll we'll find out soon enough uh, about that service but yeah because xbox excuse me microsoft has got far more access when it comes to cloud technology uh that they'll probably have a much better time than PlayStation Now does, but you know, we'll guess we'll. I think doesn't PlayStation Now? I, I'm trying, kind of blank here, but PlayStation Now also has the the weird, um, like on live uh, thing on. If there's too many like slots for a game being played, you're like either I think placed on a queue or you can't play it until a later time when another quote unquote slot has like opened up for that game. I haven't heard anything about that. I, I assume more people would be complaining about it. I haven't heard anything. Uh, anytime we tweeted about it, no one said anything about that. So I don't uh, know. I'd, I'd have to go look into it more. But so so you that. saying you saying on live? I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that name yep. in a long time. I mean, to be fair, it's it's more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's on live. PS Now actually uses Gaikai, which was the direct competitor for on live. So. Uh, I remember getting on live like those like their booths that they had at E3. They would give out a bunch of stickers, like phone stickers. It was such a weird thing. <laughs> like three months of free service, please, please sign up for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think yeah. I remember trying to play like a Prince of Persia game on on live, and it was not a good experience. Yeah. 
Well, so let's like, move on like to... Josh was saying. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I still I remember that. Play, like, yeah. like, like Josh was just like Josh was saying, probably not the sort of game that you should try to play depending on your connection. Not really. Yeah, probably not. Well, let's move on to the rest of the news that we've got to talk about here. So, Josh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about this bit of a Persona 5 mess that happened this past yeah, week? Yeah, so just uh, like just a few days ago, uh, people started noticing that Amazon... Uh, were canceling their pre-orders of the Steelbook edition. This was edition. yesterday, yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, of the, as of the time of this recording. I forgot if it was yesterday or Thursday, but uh, they, yeah, Amazon started canceling pre-orders of the Steelbook and Take Your Heart edition mm-hmm. because the, apparently, according to them, the Steelbook itself had, quote-unquote, dangerous materials or items on it, and uh, we all thought it's like, it's, maybe it's like the lead paint on it, you know? And obviously, uh, due to Amazon's policies, they can't ship that out. Uh, so, and then, uh, start, people started noticing that their Best Buy pre-orders started getting canceled, but, uh, that got cleared up later on because Best Buy had a malfunction in their systems. So they, they reported those users that, Hey, uh, we'll fix it. Uh, it's completely unrelated to Amazon's issue with it. So I don't know if the Best Buy issue has completely been resolved on that. So there was a bit of back and forth, and people were talking to several Amazon reps on what was going on, and no one had a, really a clear, concise answer. So uh, a few hours later, Atlas uh, commented uh, on it, saying, "We can ensure that there's no dangerous items, uh, you know, in in those editions. Please contact your retailer uh, for that." And uh, obviously, if you're, they can't. These people who got their pre-orders canceled can't really reorder them on Amazon because they're all st- the stock for them is out. Uh, at least for the Take Your Heart. Not sure about the Steel Book. So it's kind of a weird back and forth issue at the moment of like, if are, are these people going to get their orders back and uh, what what steps can be used to rectify this? It's just I would I would think that this kind of um, just a weird error of uh, and miscommunication all around, but. I don't think there's been a clear and concise answer or, or conclusion to all this yet. But if you're listening, uh, definitely double check if you uh, pre-order to Amazon to make sure your order hasn't been canceled. Uh, apparently, it's not like a wide, widespread issue. No, it's like a, to like a, a handful of individuals, but we don't know what to, to what extent yet. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're saying is that Atlas clearly didn't know what was going on either because they they talked about yeah they put out that release uh, on their believe their facebook page that yeah i just talked about that um they had talked to amazon but they weren't really responding to them at all and so finally uh it's not that they just sat on their on their hands and waited but they finally got an answer about that but yeah it does feel like amazon was misunderstood because they use ups and all that so they have a very strict policy about the materials of the items that they ship and because this was both the steelbook and the take your heart edition it does. It would very much uh, point towards the case itself being a problem, which is really stupid. Uh, unless it was, yeah, like the paint that was applied, because otherwise, you know, there's been steelbook edition cases for a lot of games, and uh-huh. so yeah, it did affect a small number of people. But I did see people talk about that they had their Take Your Heart editions canceled, which is a really bad, bad shame. Uh, and I would hope that maybe Atlas will do some sort of. Uh, 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 you know, uh, some sort of like uh, a good uh, thing for those people because um, they also announced that they were going to uh, put out a regular standard edition of the game without the Steelbook and the special limited edition, and that would come with a nice controller skin. And it was a pretty damn good looking controller skin that they put out as Persona 5 with all the characters 
and um, maybe they'll. I would hope that they'll reach out to those people and, and have a do good on them. But I still have my Digital Double Saga One controller skin on my PS2 <laughs> controller. <laughs> yeah, those things are pretty awesome. I still got my Mega Dimension skin on my PS4, so <laughs> I, I definitely put that on there. So uh, huh. those skins are pretty awesome. But yeah, that's 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 the big shame and and something that Atlas really didn't need right about now. So. Hopefully. For sure, like the the last thing they need to to say to people, it's like, oh, we're delaying the game again. <laughs> yeah, know? people immediately were thinking like, it's going to delay the game. It's like, well, they're all digital editions of the game too. I don't know if that is a big concern. It wouldn't be the first time Alice has had to delay a game due to uh, uh or like had an issue with the ma- uh, with the manufacturing of a product. Mm-hmm. Like, was it? Was it Strange Journey or something like that? I think it was Strange Journey. The like the mini soundtrack OST yeah. had a weird manufacturing error. And Exceed with the last story, I think there was like an art book issue. So it's happened before, but you hate to see it happen. So that's, that's it. The... Persona 5 is cursed. That's the big takeaway from this. Coming out this winter. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Man, what if it was? That would be fucking stupid. So you guys no. probably know this. What, what's the release date for Persona 4? I know it's in April. April 4th. Persona. Persona, Persona 4, Persona 5. 5. I, said, I, said, I, said five. I was like, I'm sorry. Persona. I even know. I was like, wait. Yeah. I was like, that's the, that's the biggest curveball. Yeah, I, April 5th. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I thought it was Not April 4th. Maybe away. I'm just going crazy. Sorry. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but speaking of, like, it's you mentioned... It's April 4th. You said April 5th. That's not right. But Oh, yeah, sorry. Gosh, April 5th, so you me, me sound like I'm crazy. Jeez. You don't know. <laughs> We're uh, keep messing up our fours and fives. Sorry. If, Tuesday versus Wednesday. People don't need to wait another day. Maybe they do. After everything you've talked about, the Japanese release, it's a game that people can't <laughs> wait to get, So, and they should they should be excited for it. So For sure. Yeah, excited for that. So in other news, though, um, actually, this is breaking news that we found out just before this podcast begun. They announced a new uh, Digimon story, uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory. Now, this is an actual sequel to the game, although Bandai Namco is actually doing a pretty cool thing where they're going to uh, release a version that'll bundle in the original uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth with is that. It, is, it a bu- is it a bundle into it, or like yes. the actual Cyber Sleuth game is like in the game itself? Or no, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not like Sword Art Online, Hollow Fragment, or whatever that, that was. Uh, no, this is actual a pack-in title. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it, it will be uh, an actual sequel. I mean, to be fair, there's not a whole lot of detail, so it could expand. It could just be an expansion or something like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be released later this year in Japan as of right now for PlayStation 4 and Vita. It's set in the same world as the first game, uh, and it is a whole new story. And so that will yeah, I think, I, think, I think it's more of a direct sequel. Um, yeah. So let me uh, to to explain like a bit about well, the story. Wasn't, wasn't well, let me explain the synopsis. <laughs> Sorry, one one one, me... one piece of background. Oh, just for come my... on. Wasn't, wasn't Cyber Sleuth a sequel to one of the Digimon World games? No, it was like a no. World okay. Yeah, Digi- it's not okay, the Digimon go. World series. That's uh, whatever that Next Order game that came out. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm confusing that with Next Order. You're yeah, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Continue. Yeah, yeah. We've got a review for both those games on the site, by the way. But um, uh, so yeah, it talks about the protagonist uh, Keisuke Amazawa, uh, who's a young man who had to jump into the hacker world after he was made the criminal man. in a case he knows nothing about. He's been wrongfully accused. Uh, and and also, so they just talk about here that you know the, it's got apparently the same character designer, um, and the basic the same basic systems from the original game, including the Digi Farm, uh, and there's going to be over 320 Digimon. So we were talking about Digimon and Pokemon. I would 
personally also i want to see i would love to see digimon on twitch as well but that seems far less likely it's not quite as uh just make a new Monster is. Rancher thing and have Monster Rancher Marathon. Monster Rancher. Oh my gosh, that whatever the boy was who seemed like he was super hyperactive. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Cherry Blossom Blizzard Chi. Uh that oh, so many memories from that from that damn show. But uh they just need to put a new Monster I, Rancher, by the way, but that's <laughs> I need to get around to playing Cyber Sleuth. I, I still have it on my shop, I haven't I haven't really touched it yet. Sorry, I'm... the gif that Josh posted it's the oh, Mega yeah, 64. Yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian's gif. Yeah, the Mega 64 one. That's really good. Playing with the one of my favorite tops. deads. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> always at the front of my mind when, when whenever I hear anything about hacking in like a game or movie. <laughs> I just the yeah. stupid gif of the trench coats and the sunglasses. Yeah, so that, yeah, so I mean, they just have some shots of it. So they've got like a lot of the same characters. But yeah, you know, that's pretty awesome. That they'll put a pack, they'll pack in the original game with it. But you know, so yeah, I believe this was uh, in the, the latest uh, Weekly Jump magazine that this was revealed. Yes, the V Jump. Uh, so yeah, excited for that. Hopefully, we don't Ooh. have to wait as long as we did for Cyber Sleuth uh, to get it. So. At least we don't have to like uh, hold our breath. Like, is this going to get localized or not? It seems like uh, the, the these Digimon games are going to be you know consistently localized for the most part. <laughs> Remember when they announced the verse that that combat game that was localized? The, the oh Digimon, yeah, that was before. Yeah, this the, one. yeah, the Digimon Rumble Arena thing. And yeah. I was like, hey, people were like, oh man, if you don't get this, then we're never going to get these other fucking Digimon games. I mean, those oh, are like piece of shit. That of all the games, they teased that one, and that Cyber Sleuth people were pissed. So yeah, that was. Hmm. That's well, that. we're, we're in much better times, at least. Absolutely, and Digimon's a great series. I I I was such a huge fan. I was a bigger Digimon fan than a Pokemon fan, so I'm I'm more I'm excited to try that out. So hopefully, be hearing about that soon. And the other news that came out, uh, this is actually from the D- Dengeki Festival that was happening. Mm-hmm. Kampal Hart, aside from announcing that a new Vita game is going to be on its way to us sometime soon, um, a brand new one, they also announced that they're bringing uh, Neptunia to VR. Of course. So, uh, a fucking course. No details about this yet, but they did share uh, a, a short video that announced that, yeah, it's coming to PlayStation VR and PS4, so leads me to believe that you'll be able to just enjoy it normally. Um, kind of interested to see what exactly that means, because is it going to be like a, a summer lessons kind of thing where you'll be able to do different <laughs> activities? Because there's already like stuff that you could have done in the past, like their alarm clock app that they had. Um, so maybe it'll just be a free sort of tech demo thing. Or, but if it's something bigger than that, I'm curious to see what exactly they have because there was Man. also that producing perfection game that had you just you know talk oh, to yeah. the idol and, and interact with her, and that was about Sim- it. Idol simu- raising simulation yeah. thing. You, you mentioned the summer lesson thing. Now I'm just like imagining this premise. Of, like the premise is going to be you try to motivate Nep to fucking do her homework, and you're enticing oh, her to play. I want to play video games. <laughs> That's, literally that's, would be uh, like the most difficult thing job in the world yeah right? that's uh that, that's a platinum trophy right there to party actually do homework or do anything fuck uh yeah <laughs> that's speaking of which i mean summer lessons they, that's coming out in english soon right like that was... yeah they, i think it's like sometime well summer uh, for the uh, uh english for via the singapore uh, psn because it's gonna be only in, like an english asian release yeah they, they got rid of the uh quote-unquote american character from that game so 
you'll still be yeah that, 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 that is a still a weird like, yeah. thing about that game like they showed off that like uh more western chick with the blonde hair short blonde hair and then and she we never saw that ever again <laughs> because yeah it was it was basically that uh, in in the japanese side you're teaching english to a japanese student and in the american one you're supposed to be teaching japanese to the english student so uh that i think that would have been interesting but you know the fact that they cut her uh just i wonder if that that just means that they their budget shrunk or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but they did also kind of mention that they didn't even know if that was going to be a game to begin with. So at least they got it out. And I know people that are still playing that game to this day. They keep putting out content. So that's interesting. Anyway, Mega Dimension, Neptunia, VR, or v, V2R. V2R. You put three eyes in there. That does, that makes it harder to do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, so, yeah, that's... um. That'll be. They also announced a new um, game in the. I forget what it's what the what the Gankai Tochi or whatever. Gankai Tokai or the pirates thing. The Moiro Crystal and Monster Mon Piece series. Yeah, they announced a new and Seven Pirates, whatever. They announced a new game for that, but you know that was that site. Like when they, <laughs> when the site counted down, it was like you were supposed to vote whether to vote for boobs or for butts. And then at the very end, the butts oh, won, and the, so they oh, exposed okay. yeah. the butt button in its entirety. It was the, the, so the one, bad. I, I always get these mixed up because one countdown had like, "Don't touch the boob, or else you'll you'll get this counter. Uh, you'll raise the counter." And the other one was like, "Do you vote boobs or ass?" Like just weird <sighs> Japan like the countdown timer sites. Perfect, I'm like, Japan. Well, yeah, perfect Japan <laughs> strikes again. Um, so let's let's go into the rest of the news though because we've got only a little bit left to touch to talk about. So um, got some more East Eight East Eight news. Uh, yeah, the, the PlayStation Four uh, version of East Eight uh, is coming to Japanese PlayStation Store fairly soon on the next week on March twenty four, and they'll have like a new dungeon and the and the new Inferno difficulty. Uh, will be in it and just specifically uh, a, a demo, right? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a demo, okay. so save data from the demo won't transfer over to the full game. Um, so people who are really, really curious to finally get their hands on that and want and really want to jump in on it before it releases in uh, Japan on May and sometime this fall in uh, America and Europe, uh, can go uh, try that out because you know, East this is a game that you don't really need. Uh, Japanese knowledge to really enjoy. It's all about the gameplay for the most part. Do you think you'll do anything with that game? With the mm, demo, I'm sorry? I, I, I wanna, I'll play the demo, but yeah. I'm, I'll probably stream it. We'll see. Uh, it depends on my schedule. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just curious because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure because we've got a while before that game is actually out that yeah. I'm sure, I, I, I knew for a fact you were going to play it. I just didn't know whether you might be doing something else. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try that out as well just because of the, you know, sort of bad experience people had with the Vita version means there's a lot more pressure and the PS4 version definitely does look a lot better so yeah I saw that 60 uh, frames uh, yeah. the footage that looked real smooth and real good damn good That's that, at least that's one thing Falcom tends to get is that they deliver like a lot of smooth action for their mm-hmm. console games so or PC games anyway so excited for that cool stuff and then finally um, just the other day uh, actually it might have been yesterday as well uh, Brian you want to take this last piece of news about a, a new uh, port coming right uh, I mean after we got all the near automata port stuff cleaned up for a PC release yeah. the, the, like I said this one it's nice that this one is just straight up clear cut uh, Ghostlight is bringing Lost Dimension to Steam this year though I honestly can't say much more than that because I'm not familiar with Lost Dimension I guess it was a localized PS3 game in 2015 I mean, Adam yeah, did review I, it, so... 
Yeah, he's he he always uh, reminds us how much he didn't like Lost Dimension. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's well, we'll uh, have to we'll have to have him revisit the PC version. I, I, th- I think it's cool though that you know Ghostlight does handle these very 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 niche uh, Japanese uh, games and uh, giving them PC ports like they did the Mugen Souls series, uh, Way of the Samurai, yeah, uh, among Operation, other things. Or wait, uh, no, then Operation Gothic. Um, yeah, Gothic. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's that's cool just for archive purposes and whatnot. I never got a chance to try out Lost Dimension. I think it's my Furyu, and I I always think about like have I enjoyed any Furyu games ever? <laughs> we got the Alliance Alive coming out from the writer, the writer being the creative Suikoden. So this is kind of like their last chance in my eyes. If they can't do well with him, then that's it for me. I'm yeah, little... they they haven't announced a, a localization for that no. yet, but I mean, yeah, I've, like Alliance of Life is supposed to be some sort of maybe spiritual follow up to uh, Legend of Legacy, I think. Yeah, it has got the same style and all that. A lot of the same staff, so that's that's a, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, for people who don't know, it was about Lost Dimension was like this turn based RPG about how you were part of this party, and one of the party members was uh, kind of like a mole, and that would change. Uh, from playthrough to playthrough, so you're supposed to kind of focus on figuring out like which one it was in your party. Adam talked about this in review that it turned out to be pretty straightforward and, and fairly easy to figure out. <laughs> they were, exactly yeah, they weren't subtle about it. <laughs> yeah, they weren't too subtle. And um, you know, he wasn't a big fan. Uh, Adam couldn't join us for this podcast, so we can't talk about it. But uh, yeah, it, it was. We have a review up on the site. <laughs> Uh, that just kind of focuses on that he didn't really enjoy the uh, the narrative and the characters felt sort of cardboard. So that's that's why he wasn't a big fan. But, you know, I guess we'll find out when it comes to PC because that's just his opinion. Uh, maybe the rest of yeah, us may, might yeah, like maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the PC outlets. version fixes those things. No, it won't. No, no. Gauslight doesn't do deep development like that. But yeah. yeah, but other outlets like, you know, seem to enjoy it. So it's very like, it, the it's going to be a case-by-case basis it might be your jam yeah and with the multiple endings it could be very interesting like uh i know there's definitely a lot of games adam like adam doesn't like that i enjoy so it's it's well i guess we'll have to find out but yeah um they did announce that it's gonna be localized do we have a date on that at all no just this year oh, okay yeah so Ghostlight's been focusing more on that stuff, and you know, everyone keeps I, I hoping secretly, that they're going to do Vanquish, but we'll see. <laughs> so. I, sec- I secretly hope that they do Cross Edge from the PS3. Uh, yeah, that'd be some shit. <laughs> literally, the only person in the world is asking for that right now. So I, I, I have it on my shelf, and I think about it once in a while. I'm like, I should probably go revisit some bad games. Cross Edge was a PS3 game. Yes, I remember. I don't. I don't remember when it released, but I remember considering buying it. Like there was some year on PS3, it was before it really took off, where there wasn't a lot of games out, and I was thinking, yeah, it's, it's like a crossover game too. Like, it, of course, it was gonna be. It had that the only like appeal of it that like would actually get people to buy. It. It's like, oh man, there's like this Gaia characters in this. Awesome. It's. <laughs> I remember. It's, I, I think it came out at a time where there wasn't much else out, and because of that, I was considering grabbing it. Like, yeah. some blind whim, but well, it's one of the very early RPGs on the PS3. It was bad because, I, like, the thing I remember most is that. Um, when you ever like in the, the the voice acting was already pretty limited that's what i remember also because like once you weren't in like the actual main story of it there was absolutely no voice acting at all which i guess is kind of like a nice america thing at times too but um it was it was just bad it was such yeah, a I, remember bad the ga- game. I remember the gameplay just like being a slog through oh. and the, like the the pre-requirements for the secret ending were like fucking oh, yeah. crazy uh, <laughs> 
Uh, so that, I think there, there was I, hard as hell. Too. Yeah, it was really fun. It was, the difficulty was super fucked in it. I, I think the, the the one really, really awful game I want to see a PC part of is Time and Eternity. Oh. I think, uh, mm. I'm like the only one who, I'm probably the person who gave like the highest score on Metacritic oh. or something like that. Mm. I, I, liked, I liked Time and Eternity video. I know I'm not going to win any arguments about that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I got into that game. But I was like, as soon as I post my review, I, I, although then again, like I, I'm, I'm still, I'm not the type of person who goes around like uh, attacking other people's reviews or whatever. But there were things about that game that people were being a little tryhard about when it came to attacking it. It's like the sound mixing is wrong. It's like, well, you can adjust the sound mixing in the options. Like there was like these weird arguments people were making that like I think people are like overly harsh on that. I mean, some for good reason, uh, and I totally understand that, uh, but. I think that was just a game people wanted to pile on. So. Maybe maybe if they brought it back to date as actually Secret Rebellion and just thinking ahead of its time and now you people are stop. Just look. Did you say Last Rebellion? <laughs> That's, I no, I, I no, I said... <laughs> I heard Last Rebellion I got really I did, upset I didn't say Last Rebellion, too. but now I forgot what I said. Oh, oh, it's, oh okay. Well, <laughs> no, Secret Rebellion. All right, bring over Last Rebellion too. Oh, like fuck that, that game. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that game was such... It was such like, uh, by all accounts, Last Rebellion is one of the worst games ever made. Okay. <laughs> so that's it for news (laughs) and so um yeah not a lot to talk about but this upcoming week is going to be kind of insane with the release of uh not just toki did too like we talked about but mass effect andromeda uh alex has been deep into that game we'll have a lot of content for that uh aside from a review we'll have a lot of other stuff to share with you guys you can already watch a video up on our youtube which you can access at youtube.com slash rpg site net which also has our continuing adventures of Akira Chronicles 3 and Pentadragoon Saga. Pentadragoon Saga, so fucking good! Like, it gets better and better and better the more I play it, and that's that's exactly what I you want. Just, you just finished that up, right? No, I'm on, uh, I just finished disc 2, and now I'm on disc 3. And I'm only like 5 to 6 hours that came out on disc 3. So, it really goes to show, this is a game with 4 discs, and uh, it's uh, about 11 to 12 hours long because so much of it is CG and voice acting. Like, that game is almost fully voiced. Like, this came out, like, in 97, I think, and it was almost yeah. fully voiced. That's, That's pretty damn impressive. Crazy. And this was, like, uh, po- like just after Final Fantasy VII, but before Metagir saw it. So it came out at a time that, man, that game is pretty impressive, and all the it's all the Japanese voice acting, which is all what it is. It's funny. The game starts with its own invented language, goes straight, after the opening area, straight into Japanese. So it's, they didn't really stick to it uh, as right. much as I wanted, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, also, you can find us always at RPGSite.net. You can find us on Twitter at RPGSite, on Facebook.com slash RPGSiteNet. Subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. Uh, just search for TetraCast. Like before, we would appreciate reviews because that helps Apple try to help uh, promote us uh, just like with any site, you know, we, we need our reviews. So please, please, if you enjoyed this podcast or didn't enjoy it, uh, be sure to leave a review. We'd appreciate uh, the feedback uh, generally. Also, our permanent link on Discord is discord.me slash RPG site. Uh, check us out there. It's always a pretty active community. And finally, we like to share our Twitter handle. So, Josh, where can they find you? They can find me at HDKarin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Right. And Brian? It can find me at Zeo Masicot, Z-E-O-M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T. Great, thank you. And finally, you can find me at Zachary. So, yeah, uh, thank you, Brian and Josh, for being a part of this podcast. Always uh, really appreciate you guys' insight. 
And uh, that'll be it for this uh, March 18th edition of the TetraCast. Uh, catch us next week for another episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs>